On April 1, 2020, April Fool's Day, as the U.S. grappled with the growing COVID-19 crisis, a Russian cargo plane landed at Kennedy International with a load of medical supplies and equipment. Included were badly needed ventilators. The deal for the equipment had been brokered through the White House. The ventilators turned out to be faulty. The other supplies included gas masks and household rubber gloves, useless items for fighting a pandemic in hospitals. Several weeks later, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention revealed that tests it had conducted on face masks from China proved that most of the masks were as useless at combating the virus as Russia's rubber gloves. The face masks had been given the green light for import by the Food and Drug Administration. In both cases, the quality management systems, if there were any to begin with, failed completely. Hello, I'm Chris Henry, and this is another episode of Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerent, a leading Salesforce consulting and implementation company. Quality is a concept that can get short shrift in organizations, not because companies are inherently dishonest or intentionally careless. Nothing can be gained from that. But quality can intrude on the business of making and selling stuff. Yet without quality and the proper means to achieve it, a company will struggle to survive and ultimately will fail. Our guest in this edition is Lance Johnson, Gerent Senior Director of Enterprise Quality Management Systems and an expert on quality. Lance has more than 20 years experience in software and technology, during which time much of his focus was on helping companies achieve the highest levels of quality possible. So if quality represents a critical ingredient for business success, why does it get sand kicked in its face? Lance believes it has to do with how companies perceive its role. In general, I think there's a love-hate relationship with quality. Most organizations recognize the need for that. They also have a sense, an inherent sense of business value, but perhaps not a specific enough or tangible enough measure of the value of quality in their organization. What do you mean by that specifically, a a tangible measurement of it? Well, for a lot of organizations, uh, and maybe it would be well to to start by making a distinction. Uh, A lot of times you'll hear the phrase quality and compliance. And if we separate those two words, quality, I think, is what we're focusing on today. Quality, there's a lot more latitude the businesses have for how far they go down the path of Im- implementing quality practices. Compliance, however, is, is mandated by regulating agencies. And so there's not really a lot of latitude when it comes to compliance and reg- regulations. Quality, on the other hand, though, has a, a lot of latitude And many companies take a risk-based approach to quality. One of the difficulties with that, though, is being able to have a tangible measure. Let's see, if we invest X dollars, then that will result in Y value to the business. Perhaps for some companies, it's because they it's that lack of a a metric. It's the lack of visibility. Uh, They perhaps may see quality as something that's part of the cost of doing business. 
something that has to be done and therefore something that they like taxes, they want to minimize as much as possible uh, rather than embracing some of the uh, value and benefits that can come from quality improvement initiatives. There are various ways that organizations end up sacrificing quality. And it's not just with the finished product, although that's where the lack of quality usually manifests. You know, for most businesses, one of the biggest costs is people, personnel, labor costs. And oftentimes, when you talk about quality improvement initiatives, there's an upfront investment or ongoing quality practices. It may take more labor, more oversight, more monitoring, and there's uh, sometimes an effort to, tr- to uh, or a tendency, I would say, a tendency to want to minimize that in an effort to cut costs. What, what companies want to do uh, ultimately is uh, bring products or services to market as innovatively and as quickly as possible. If they've got inefficiencies in quality within their organization. How do those inefficiencies uh, impact their ability to bring something to market? Great question. That can be hugely impactful. And as you might imagine, the further downstream or the further along in that process that quality issues are detected, the more costly and the more time-consuming it can be to resolve those issues. So if I have a product about to release to market, I've gone through my research and development. I've gone through all of my operations getting a a factory ready to produce or an assembly line ready to, to produce. I've had machines tooled. If it's at the very end that I discover that a spec was wrong, uh, an improper specification or a design flaw, or perhaps some of my incoming goods or my raw materials didn't meet the standard that they needed to, there's a huge investment and a huge expense that's incurred as opposed to having some practices in place uh, at the outset that would detect some of those issues at the, at the beginning. There are numerous examples where a failure of quality became very public because people died or their lives changed dramatically. Way back in 1982, Johnson & Johnson faced an enormous PR nightmare when seven people in the Chicago area died after ingesting Tylenol capsules that were laced with cyanide. The company was forced to recall 31 million bottles of Tylenol at a cost of $100 million, and they had to spend more money creating caplets that couldn't be tampered with. Perhaps uh, another example with some some dollar figures associated with it. Uh, back in the early 2000, 2001, there was a, a well-known failure with Firestone tires, primarily on Ford vehicles, uh, resulting in a massive recall. In terms of dollar cost, uh, according to Los Angeles Times, the Ford, Ford Motor Company recalled 13 million Firestone tires on SUVs and pickup trucks, and they estimated the expense to the company to be in the range of $3 billion U.S. dollars. The other part of that is they had to idle three plants uh, to be able to uh, produce replacement tires. So there's not only the, the upfront cost, the product cost, the remediation cost, or the 
uh, repair cost, you add in the expense of the loss of consumer confidence and the the hit that that puts on your brand, your brand value and your branding, that can be very difficult to recover from. It's difficult to understand why an organization would set itself up for such a catastrophic failure, however unintentionally, when there are clear steps and methods that can be taken to ensure that quality is not sacrificed. Seems pretty obvious. If we make that assumption, then what that means is that uh, there are other factors that enter in in decision-making pro- processes. As we look at what it takes to get a product to market, uh, or perhaps the product has been on the market, there are multiple levels where uh, quality can be impacted. And sometimes decisions are made that impact quality. So again, because there's some latitude in quality and quality enforcement and quality processes, oftentimes what happens is people are put in a position of having to make decisions based on do we do what seems best in uh, best to the company in terms of profitability, in terms of speed to market? Do we try to get our product out? So there is a judgment call that's involved in figuring out how much is enough. And that can be difficult. And again, with multiple competing priorities, oftentimes people, whether it's an executive, whether it's a line worker, uh, sometimes people are put in a position to inadvertently compromise on quality. Let's explore the idea of quality from the other side, so to speak. Charlene Stefanazzi is a former brand manager with General Mills, the global consumer food company. In her role, she worked on product innovation, which often meant launching a new or improved product as quickly as possible to take advantage of the marketplace. She says there were often times when having to meet internal quality and compliance requirements created delays in product releases. Yes, definitely. I worked on product innovation for quite some time, and one of the biggest challenges in launching a product quickly or even on time was the delay with quality and compliance. So quality and compliance touches so many aspects of a product launch, and in my case, a food product. So things like product photography, packaging design, marketing claims, food prep or cooking instructions all had to go through QC. For product photography, for example, QC has to make sure your product shot is not over-embellished, that it's truthful, and there isn't too many chocolate chip cookies in that cookie shot. For packaging design, they have to make sure certain verbiage like product names and taglines and specs are placed in a certain spot with a certain hierarchy and a certain font size. For marketing claims, when launching a product, you're always aiming for differentiators and what makes it better than competitive products. And one of the ways to market your differentiators is making compelling claims on the packaging. So claims like no artificial colors or flavors, made with real cheese, now with double the chocolate, or made in a nut-free facility, all those claims have to go through quality and compliance to be validated. So now imagine a company like General Mills with huge innovation teams, all trying to get new products out the door. The quality and compliance department has to manage through hundreds of requests from different brand teams, and it's quite a slow and painful process. So in effect, when QC says no to something, which happens a lot, 
marketing and product development teams have to go back and modify an idea or strategy and then go back to quality for approval and so on and so forth. And it all takes time. And so in many cases, we have to build tons of buffer time into a product launch timeline because of QC. And nobody likes a lengthy product launch timeline when you're trying to be first to market with something. Was there anybody on your end of, of things who could see the value, the sense, the importance of, of quality and quality control here? Yes. I think we all know that it's important, but the pressure to get a product out the door as quickly as possible, especially because you want to be first to market with some of the new innovations you're coming out with, we tend to just get frustrated with the holdup that comes with the quality and compliance department, even though we know it's important. If that quality and compliance process could have been streamlined, how much sooner and more efficiently could a product get to market? This is where technology's vital role enters the picture. Technology can be a huge enabler in terms of quality. One of the biggest challenges that many companies have, again, because there's a lack of I started off by saying metrics, a lack of metrics sometimes. Really what it comes down to is it's difficult to get to data. It's hard to make good, sound business decisions without the data that's needed to make those decisions. So technology can really be an enabler. Uh, if we look at a typical paper process, let's say a company receives a complaint about their product in a paper world, Someone picks up the phone, perhaps they receive an email that describes a problem with the product or an issue that a, that a customer has had with the product. At some point, either a worker will receive that feedback. Again, they receive a piece of paper in the mail or through an email, but they capture that. They file it in the paper world. They Perhaps they report on that or investigate that particular instance of that issue but then typically that paper goes into a notebook and those notebooks get collected and then they fill rooms and warehouses and you have paper on paper on paper uh, without any good way of aggregating the information that's on that paper. In an with an electronic system, that data can be categorized and classified, aggregated and reported on. Then what happens is you have better visibility to what's really happening better visibility to some of the issues that are being reported with the product, and you have better data on which to make quality decisions. Data is the critical ingredient in this recipe. As Lance says, when data is aggregated and analyzed, a context is created. If there's a quality issue, it will appear against the backdrop of that context. Such software-based quality management systems also have an important role to play within supply chains. And that's never been more important than right now. Yes, definitely. Um, one of the huge hot button topics for many customers uh, right now, especially with the unusual circumstances with the pandemic that we're all experiencing, those supply chains have been disrupted. Uh, oftentimes it's difficult to get uh, qualified goods from suppliers, leaving companies to seek alternative suppliers and going through that qualification process can be very time consuming and very difficult. Uh, again, there's a great opportunity for electronic systems for automation to help with that process. When you have to do everything the hard way with paper, with people doing everything in a, in a manually based system, 
it can be very expensive and very time consuming when properly utilizing an electronic system to automate a lot of that. There's still a human element, of course. Of course, there are people who inspect and make quality decisions. But again, the electronic system can facilitate and accelerate so much of that data collection, data transfer, and data aggregation, which frees your quality people then to move from the realm of paper and data entry and and data manipulation. Now they can fill the role that they're more qualified for, which is analyzing the data and making good, sound quality decisions based on that analysis. And a word about the data. Uh, Again, in a paper world, we're all used to filling out paper forms and free text entry. I'm handwriting in my entries or I'm typing in my entries. And with electronic systems, one thing that's fundamental to electronic systems is the idea of structured data, structured responses. So for example, if I'm choosing a department from a drop-down list and they're all identified and specified, uh, that will allow me to later run aggregate reports and find out how many times uh, department X was was indicated or product X or uh, or illness X, whatever it happens to be. Uh, If it's free text entry, if it's unstructured data and I'm relying on people to to type it in or write it in by hand, now there's so much variability, it's hard to get good, clean data and, and run meaningful analysis from that data. One of Jarrett's core capabilities is software implementation. It's a big reason why Jarrett is a preferred partner with Salesforce. The company has several decades of industry experience in understanding the challenges and pitfalls of quality management systems and how to overcome them using technology. Uh, we believe so strongly that electronic systems can be such an enabler. They can transform businesses and make it possible for greater profitability, greater speed to market, and um, greater success for a company. With that said, I'll mention there's a, a caveat. Sometimes companies get the idea that electronic systems and automation are just a a magic answer, a silver bullet to solve all the organization challenges that exist. And I will say that if you automate a flawed process, then uh, in fact, what you get is an automated flawed process. Um, So that probably seems uh, self-evident, but it's so important that as we implement electronic systems, as we take that opportunity to improve the processes that we carefully evaluate the existing process, we identify ways that the software can accelerate the business, improve the speed of doing business, improve the quality of the products that are produced, and become a real differentiator for that business. That's something that we take great pride in. It's something we're very excited to do and and that we love helping our customers do. We said at the outset that quality was a critical element in the success of any company. But maintaining quality management systems can be challenging. Technology has proven time and again that it can make almost any process easier and more efficient. And that's certainly the case with quality management systems as well. You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerent in cooperation with Salesforce. 
Our thanks to Lance Johnson, Jaren's Senior Director of Enterprise Quality Management Systems, and Charlene Stefanazzi, a former brand manager with General Mills, for their input. Technical production for Ahead of the Curve is provided by Dave Grine and the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for joining us.